pretty awesome. Trip number 11 to Ecuador. Uh, so um, I know some of you guys are aware of this. We were praying for clarity, okay? The partnership uh, with the team down there in Ecuador has uh, taken uh, us down an unbelievable path and road the last uh, five and a half years. And our heart was to pray for clarity about what the future there would look like. And um, to say that God provided that clarity would be an understatement. So I just, I want to give you just a little bit about what uh, Matthias will be doing internationally from here on out. We're, we're very, very passionate about multiplication. Uh, and the multiplication here of lot families and the multiplication of discipling relationships. We're passionate about multiplication in terms of church. We've been a part of uh, two church plants, sending out resources and people, helping train up pastors. Uh, so our heart ultimately is multiplication, disciple-making, church planting. And we've been able to support uh, the church plant that's in the village there that you saw, Santana. Uh, we've, uh, God has blessed us with the opportunity to, to build the, the church building. Uh, you saw uh, in the early parts of that video, uh, Dario's house. Uh, the pastor there, uh, the team last spring provided all of the funds to actually build that home. Well, listen, when we were there, what we've decided is, listen, we need to spend the majority of our time in Ecuador still supporting Steve and Sandy, but supporting specifically their heart and church planting. And so now every trip that we go down to help with in Ecuador, to serve with, it's going to be focused with church planting as the main support means the main goal. We're going to spend much more time in Santana and maybe even potential other church plants down the road. But we're super excited. There's so much more detail to share with that, but I'm just, I'm pumped. We're pumped as a team. God really provided clarity, and I think we're going to get to see how God can multiply churches, not just here in America, but using indigenous local uh, pastors uh, like Pastor Dario there to plant churches. So pretty, pretty exciting, don't you guys think? Okay. Now, the other thing, the other thing that I really, really love about uh, going to Ecuador is I get to have relationships with no resume. And what I've come to find out is those are very rare. I have very few relationships in my life that don't have with it some sort of resume. In other words, there's very few relationships where, where people like, don't need to know what you've done, where you've been, what schooling you participated in, some of your successes. But without knowing any of that, there's still this connection. You guys know what I'm saying? Pastor Dario has never heard me preach one sermon. He, he doesn't know any of my, you know, whatever, all the things that, 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 you know, make me a leader here. Like, none of those things. He doesn't know any of that. The only thing that he knows is I come down and we love with our team him. And he reciprocates that love. There is something so powerful in our lives about relationships that don't need a resume. They don't, uh, they don't need, like, you to somehow make the case for why people should be your friend, should care about you, should love you. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's nothing more exhausting than searching for relationships that are just based on this criteria. Oh, I need to make sure I say this because then maybe you'll like me more. If you, if you knew I did that, then maybe, just maybe, it'll be a bridge into relationship. The power of the body of Christ is we need no resume. The thing that unites us is the person of Christ. You guys know what I'm saying? Are you with me? Right. That's what brings us together. And so tonight as we start part two 
of this four-week journey in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I celebrate the relationships where Christ and Christ only is the common denominator. So let's roll tonight. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As you're turning there, here were the two verses that we studied last week. Beautiful text. Here was the truth. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members... In all the members of the body, though many are one body, the scripture says, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, so it is with Christ. It's true. What I shared with you last week is it doesn't matter what your belief is about the church, the body of Christ, based on your own experience. Our experience doesn't change the truth of the body. There's a lot of hurts here, a lot of angst, a lot of wrongdoing, both in those of us who have received it and those who have given it. But no matter any of our experience, it doesn't change the truth that the body of Christ is one. We have oneness in Christ. It doesn't feel like it at times. It feels like we're disjointed. It feels like we don't have unity. It feels like we're bickering over small matters. But the truth is we're one in Christ. Verse 13 says, for in one spirit, the spirit being the common denominator, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. Last week we built on the truth that we are one in Christ and tonight, oh my dear goodness. Let's start in verse 14. Insane. For the body does not, verse 14, consist of one member, but rather of many. Now I have wrestled with this passage a whole lot and I have two questions that I want to ask you as we're diving in tonight. The first question is this. Am I okay with this and all that it means? I'm not asking you if it's true. I'm not asking you like Sunday school rhetoric. I'm asking you, are you okay that the body has many members? And again, not just what you would say, but what you believe. Are you okay that there is diversity in the body of Christ? Am I okay with the fact that not everyone in the body of Christ Uh, sing songs like me or responds to Christ like me or looks like me or talks like me or even speaks my language? Again, I I know the right answer. The right answer is, of course, of course I am. Why wouldn't I be? The next question then is this. Am I as kingdom-minded as I think I am? Right? The, The right answer in the body of Christ is, of course, we love the body of Christ. We're, we're, as many of you have heard, we're kingdom-minded. We believe that the church isn't just local, but that it's global. Listen, all of those things sound nice. They look wonderful on a coffee mug. But I want to give you some truths to what being kingdom-minded actually looks like. Okay, let's look at this. Number one, those who are kingdom-minded, number one, celebrate the work that God is doing in and through all local expressions of the body of Christ. Come on. We find ourselves hearing the good news of what God's doing in the church down the street. We know we may have some differences in practice, but we know that we're unified in our belief of Christ. So when you hear those things, is the first notion in your heart to celebrate, to give God thanks and praise 
for salvation. Or listen, seriously, let's be honest. Okay, has there ever been a time when, when you've been with a group of friends and all of a sudden they start talking about how the Lord is working in their community, in their church, and the first reaction isn't celebration, it's jealousy? The first reaction isn't, oh, like, yes! Like, let's just, let's, let's turn all life off right now and just give praise to God. But instead it's, oh, that's really nice out of your mouth and in your heart is, I hate you and your church. Three days ago, three days ago, three days ago, okay, with a dear pastor friend of mine, good buddy, he uh, is sharing with me uh, this young planter that he's got to minister to, and just the work of God. He, he was sharing with me, listen, he was sharing with me a miracle that happened in their church, in their church body. The, the church was was brought to this place of brokenness. And all of a sudden, like right in front of everybody, like they literally saw a straight miracle. Okay. And I would love to tell you, I would love to tell you that in that moment, I stopped the car, pulled the car over, and we just like got on our knees and thanked the Lord for the work that he was doing globally, specifically in this local church. I'd like to say that, but I have to be honest with you, in my heart, all I can think is, like, God, why don't we get a miracle? God, like, like, why don't we get to watch something unbelievable like that? God, why aren't we seeing that? I, I, after a few seconds of, like, thinking those things and feeling those things, I was like, like, wake up, Mark. Oh, my goodness, right? And then you, you come to this place of repentance, and, and thankfully God, like, restored my heart and brought me to a place of celebration. But I'm saying, am I more kingdom-minded in my mind than I am in reality? Oh, I'm off the glory of Christ everywhere. But, man, there's these pieces of my heart that reveal otherwise, maybe for you. Number two, how about this? Those who are kingdom-minded are for all people. All people, the ones that provide you with nothing, the ones that aren't there to celebrate all of your victories, the one that provides you no social advantage, those who are kingdom-minded, listen, it doesn't matter color, it doesn't matter socioeconomic status, it doesn't matter privilege, it doesn't matter family background, it doesn't matter education, it's they are a person. They're not a project. They have a name. They have a story. They have a background. They have a beating heart like me. Again, it's Mark. Of, of course, of course, Mike, uh, Mark, I'm for all people. Of course, I, I don't, you know, set barriers with, with who I let in my life or who I, uh, Mark, of course not. Mark, Mark, I'm not, a, I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot. Mark, Mark, I, I, don't, I don't set those kinds of parameters. Or I'm just encouraging you right now. Like when, the, when the, the, the word says powerfully that we're a part of a many-membered body of Christ, are you okay with it? Are you for all people? Or are there some that get a little bit of a slant to you? Number three, how about this? Those who are kingdom-minded, pray for God's work and God's people globally. You're actually finding yourself pleading for the global church. 
uh, you see uh, pictures from Ecuador and you find your heart instantly like, God, I don't even know Pastor Dario Rio or even the village Santana. I've never been. But I'm asking right now for your glory to bring some to Christ. And all of a sudden you're in the grocery store and you're, you're prompted to all of a sudden pray for the church in, in Korea. You're all of a sudden brought to this place where you're pleading for China. Specific cities or nations or continents. I'm telling you, is it possible that we're way more kingdom-minded in talk than we are in reality? Are you okay with the fact that the body of Christ has much diversity? We have to wrestle with it. Paul says again in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member but of many. Now let's deal with verse 15 and 16 as a, as a unit. We're going to be here for probably a good three hours. If the foot should say, the foot of the body, you guys have that understanding. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Makes sense, right? Good analogy. Verse 16, and if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Uh, if you spend some time in and around the word, this is a, a fairly famous uh, analogy metaphor. I notice four major things from this. The first thing I notice are the I statements. A lot of focus in what Paul is addressing in Corinth on the issue that, that must be self-centric. Again, he's addressing very specific issues in the church. He isn't just randomly like giving a body analogy for fun, for his health, okay? He's addressing something that's been a problem in Corinth. So I think the first thing that we have to notice is all of this talk about I, me, my stuff, when I think this way. The second observation is this, okay? Apparently, there's a question of belonging. Let's read it again. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong. So apparently, one of the issues in Corinth is they're questioning their unity as it pertains to their belonging. Huge. Number three, my third observation, I would say, is this, is the comparison so apparently what you have in the body of Christ is you have people that are comparing one another and, and each other's gifts. Well, I, I don't have the gifts that Dave has, so, so I, I, I guess then I, I'm not as righteous or I'm not as loved by God. Again, look at the, look at the text. Because I'm not a hand, I, I, I do not belong to the body. Like that must be some of the language that's being shared in Corinth. They're not just questioning their belonging. They find themselves comparing all of their gifts to one another, celebrating some, maybe not celebrating others. And finally, let's make this observation. There's an issue then of perceived value, that somehow their feelings change the truth. But what Paul says is just because you feel a certain way, it doesn't make you any less part of the body. Oh, we could say that true statement tonight. Just because you feel that your gifts aren't as good as, or as celebrated, or as popular, or as out there, or public, it does not make you less a part of the body of Christ. 
Next slide, I think in summary we could say this. What's happening in Corinth is there is an insecurity creating unhealthy comparison. I'm so glad that the scripture is only relevant for the time in which it, it was written. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so glad there's no application for us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to teach it because I know it, I'm sure it was an issue in Corinth. Like, oh my goodness, no. Like, somehow, isn't it crazy? 2,000 years later, this statement could somehow be blanketed to be a truth for the church, not just in America, I would say even potentially globally. Somehow, our insecurities create an unhealthy comparison. Uh, you guys hear the word insecurity a lot. I want to define it, okay? As uh, Google says, it's defined, which means it's true. Insecurity is this. A feeling of uncertainty, a lack of confidence or anxiety about what? About yourself. So the word insecurity, when you think about security and then the word in, again, I'm not a rhetoric elizer, but or a, anyway, you guys know what I'm saying? Like I... Like, I'm not a wordsmith, okay? But the word in certainly brings a lot of attention here. And the word security means I'm battling with stuff. And here, it's creating anxiety. I'm questioning my identity. Uh, maybe you guys have heard of this guy. Next slide. Here's what the famous Eminem says. My insecurities could eat me alive, he says in a song. I would say it about the body of Christ this way. Next slide. Our insecurities are attempting to eat the body of Christ alive. The reason why I say the word attempting there is because they won't prevail. Man, it feels like some days they do though, doesn't it? It feels like, like my, my, my lack of courage... Of the building of my pride that manifests itself in outlandish behavior or these feelings inside about me, like it, they eat me up. And what is, what is happening when you times that times everyone, it feels like then that our insecurities, maybe much like Corinth, are attempting to eat the body of Christ alive, that they will not prevail. So, what was the insecurity birthed in? Next slide. It seems like the insecurity here is crystal clear. It seems like if we backed away from verse 15 and 16, the issue in Corinth maybe is our precise issue. Next slide. I think, I think it's, it's unbelievable, the relatability. Okay? What are the insecurities, or the uncertainties rather, creating insecurity? In Corinth, it's this. Number one, look at this. Next slide if you can. Number one is this. A doubt of God's design. Right? If you're comparing your gifts to others, if you're finding value in the gifts that others have and not how God has made you, then at the very core of it is a doubt of God's design. It's, it's uncertainty about what God's doing. Or like, what the heck are you doing up there? Are, are, you know, is this thing on? Are you okay up there, God? Like, you hooked this person up, but, but I got the scraps, it feels like. That uncertainty just wallers in your soul, creating this very, very deep-rooted insecurity, anxiety, identity crisis. 
certainly was happening in Corinth. What are the uncertainties creating insecurity? Number two, a doubt of God's love for all his design. Right? So you take it to the next step. It's not just that, it's not just that God has a poor design, but it's that maybe he doesn't love me then. Because again, it certainly seems like he loves this person a lot. He gave them a lot, it appears. But when it comes to me, I feel like a peon in the body of Christ. I don't feel cared for. I don't feel loved. And so you begin to doubt God's love for you specifically. And then all of a sudden, all of the insecurity creates all kind of reckless behavior, reckless thinking. Number three is this. What are the uncertainties? It's also a doubt of the Spirit's work in me individually. Not only is God's design poor, maybe he doesn't love me, but he doesn't just not love me. It's not just that his design is poor, it's that the spirit actually isn't at work in me. I, uh, I really think it comes down uh, to this question. Next, next slide. I do not belong. Have you ever felt that way before? That's uh, what the church in Corinth was feeling, apparently, like they were in the body of Christ, but didn't, didn't feel like, listen, didn't feel like they had a place. So uh, Heidi and I, right before we planted Matthias, um, we went out to the very, our very first uh, pastor retreat. Uh, many of you guys know this, we're a part of a network called Acts 29. And uh, it's, it's a rapidly growing network. I think right now we're up to like 600 church plants globally. It's a lot of fun. Well, Matthias was one of the, was literally one of the first Acts 29 plants. In fact, listen, at this very first pastor retreat, now when we go to pastor's retreat, there's like a thousand people there. There were literally 35 couples there, okay? And I was 25 years old, okay? Heidi was too. And um, I would like to say that I showed up at this pastor retreat and I was so confident in Christ and and I, you know, I could just, I walked out and just could hang with all of these pastors. And man, I, I would, I'd like to say that. The reality was I, was I was excited to go. I was excited to glean wisdom. And you guys know I'm a little bit crazy, a little bit edgy, certainly seems bold. But I got out there and we like went to our cabin and I like did not want to leave the cabin. Now, at the time, um, Driscoll was there and all of these, like, already, like, kind of rock star pastor guys. myself cowering in insecurity. Not at all emboldened by what God had done in my life, what he was doing in and around me. Instead, like, Heidi was like, hey, look, should we go out there? Like, should we leave the cabin, maybe, right? And, and I was masking it, you know, like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll go. And, and we did. But when we were around those guys, like I, I thankfully like didn't feed into the, you know, portraying me or us better or bigger than we were, okay? Because at the time we were, we were just an infant. But I found myself like not emboldened. I, I found myself completely insecure. I found myself trying to figure out where I belonged. And, and all I could do was like, well, I... I really don't belong here. Like, I don't talk like some of these guys. I don't behave like some of these guys. And Heidi and I really, really had a tough time. Not because of 
righteousness, but because in me was a tremendous amount of insecurity. Is it possible that our insecurities are attempting to eat the body of Christ alive? Is it possible that our questions about where we belong based upon what we have to offer is creating a deep-rooted fear in you not wanting to confront that or walk through that or wrestle with that or ask the right questions, but instead like creating this distance, maybe not bodily, but this distance in sharing or this distance in vulnerability. Um, I just, I believe there's a different way, don't you guys? Like I just, I believe it. I just have a hard time seeing the fruit of it. So here's what I'm going to do right now. Would anyone else here love to see your insecurities just killed? Anyone else here? Okay, by raise of hand. The three of us and the rest of you are so insecure you don't want to raise your hand. Okay, listen. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm really like going to, I'm really going to stretch my faith in this statement that I'm about to make. I believe. I believe that the power of the resurrected Christ is able enough and powerful enough to stir our security so much in him that so little would be made about ourselves that insecurity could literally be wiped off of the table completely. I just believe that. And I want, I long to believe that right now. Anybody else? So listen, we're going to have to do some more work in this text to see how Paul gets there with Corinth, but that is the precise issue. You're comparing your gifts, and what it's creating in the body of Christ is tremendous amounts of dissension because you're not finding any security in how God's made you. You want something else. So listen, let's pray together right now for the rest of this time for God to literally increase our faith together so that we could believe the power of the resurrection is enough. Is that cool? All right. So God, I'm, I just confess my own uh, fear of praying this. I just want doubt killed. I, I pray, God, that you would help us collectively believe that tonight you can completely change our heart. And, and that, God, some of the insecurities, some of the fears, some of the seclusion that have, has literally driven our lives. God, help us believe tonight that they can literally be eradicated. Help us trust, God, that the power of the resurrection is enough. So increase my faith and change on my heart, God, as I, I doubt, I don't want to doubt. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters as well. In your great and holy name, amen. Let's keep going. Next slide. In verse 17, 18, 19, and 20, as he teaches what we're to do with this, he's going to ask rhetorical questions and then hammer a truth. In verse 19, he's going to ask a rhetorical question and then hammer truth. So let's start here in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye... Where would be the sense of hearing? 
if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Now, if you've ever been in a youth group, you, you, you are going to feel me here, because this is like a time to celebrate crazy youth group games, okay? Or if you've been in the Boy Scouts, which I wasn't a Boy Scout, uh, if you've ever been in like Kiwanis, I don't know, whatever. Like if you've, done, if you've ever tied a knot in a group, then maybe you'll understand this. Um, so th- this, is, this, is the, this is the youth group game where like you put, you know, you stuff all kinds of things in the, in the student's ear so that they can't hear. And then they like got to find something, but all they can use is like people, people's, you know, their, their mouth length. You guys know what I'm saying? Or, or this is the image where in youth group where you blindfold the junior hires and their ears are open and you just got to direct them, right? And you're hoping no one dies and good chance someone's going to break a femur, which happened often in my youth group games. All right. This is that moment, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Like, like, of course that doesn't make sense. For the body to function properly, for the body to be used for the glory of God properly, then each of these pieces are to be used properly and in their right form and in their right use. So the rhetorical questions then are just compounded by this truth in verse 18. Look at this crazy text. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Uh, You see, many of us have blamed a lot of things in our experience on a whole lot of people, on a whole lot of our story on a whole lot of peripheral issues. The subject of 1 Corinthians 12 is spiritual gifts. We believe here at Matthias that God is the gift giver, that man does not give spiritual gifts. We believe that spiritual gifts are not a sign of maturity. We believe that God is the gift giver. And verse 18 only compounds that truth. This literally confronts our insecurity head on. Let's read it again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So what he's saying is, some in the church in Corinth, some of you are discontent. Uh, So your your eye, okay, the eye that you want... Uh, maybe it's giftings that will bring more notoriety. Maybe it's, it's giftings that, that seem like you'll get to be used in more situations. Maybe for you it's, it's more public use. Maybe for you it's vocational ministry. Maybe for you it's giftings that will provide you more or, or seemingly deeper relationships. Uh, let's ask it that way. What is your eye? What is the gifting that you long after in not a healthy way, but in a comparative way? God, they have that. It's not just that I want it, but it's, it would be better suited for me. God, you did a bad job. Think about how deep our insecurity is when we're looking at the creator and saying you have done a poor job in your design. 
Why did they get that gifting? Look what they've done with it, God. God, I'm telling you right now, just between me and you, you don't have to tell nobody this, God. I'm telling you right now, you give me that gift, it's going to be on. I will give you the glory in all the ways. Listen, you, you give me some checks. You hook it up here, and listen, it's me and you all the way. What is your eye? God chose it. God has arranged it. And I have to believe that God has done a marvelous job at making the body of Christ, don't you? So I want to I step back now. I want to get very, very clear. Um, there's a difference between spiritual giftings and personality. Can we agree? So don't get confused right now. Okay? Well, God made me shy. What, like, why did God do that? God made me an extrovert. Why did God do that? Okay, we're not, we're not talking about shyness or extra, extroversion here. We're talking about our spiritual giftings in Christ. And what God has done is he has, as the scripture says, he has arranged the body very specifically as he chose. And he's done so with a great view. With a great knowledge of our hearts. With a deeper sense of all of us individually than we have of ourselves. And yet in our discontentment, in our comparison, in our insecurity... Maybe not what we would say, but in the depths of our heart, God, you don't know what you're doing. God, what's the problem? God, why did you give me this? I'd, I'd much rather be an eye. If I, actually, if I, actually, no, no, I, I changed my mind. If I were an ear, and let's just be honest, some of you feel like a pinky toenail. Not in the text, okay? Some of you feel like a pinky toenail. And, and you're asking yourself, where do I belong? But I don't see the text talking specifically about where we belong. I see a whole lot about God's work in it. So maybe, just maybe, you have to be confronted with the truth that some of the contention that you have sensed and felt in you Okay? that you've directed at this pastor who didn't use you in the right way or this ministry leader or this you know, worship guy or leader that, that didn't empower your giftings. Listen, maybe all of us just need to step back from that for a second. And instead of comparing, maybe it could be met with celebrating. And not even celebrating the gifts. What if we just celebrated the gift giver? Don't you think it would change a whole lot? Beautiful text. Verse, uh, next uh, slide. Verse 19, one rhetorical question. If all were a single member, where would the body be? I'll tell you where the body would be. In not a good place because you would be the body. That's it. Think about it. Multiply yourself by yourself and infinity, right? Or whatever Toy Story says, infinity and beyond. Like, multiply yourself and just make the body of Christ a bunch of use. Could you imagine if the whole body of Christ was me? You can, and you can, like, they, we would be in bad shape. Okay? No sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? No sleep, bad hairline. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we'd be a mess. Oh, we'd be passionate and fiery. But there's all kinds of other gifts that we would be lacking and missing out on. Okay, one of the greatest, one of the greatest gifts that God gave this church body was Pastor Jeff, okay? Why? Because God knew. God knew that this, that this church, I would even say me specifically, would need a Pastor Jeff. Why? Because I'm going to run 300,000 miles an hour, okay? And Jeff's going to run about 30. And somewhere in between that is a beautiful balance. You guys see what I'm saying? There have been so many times where I've come to elders meetings, I've been like, all right, boys, like, we're just going to send everybody to all the ends of the earth today, right? We're just buying everybody a play ticket. We're just going to go, for an example, okay? <laughs> Jeff, Lonnie, Jared, I mean, whoa, 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 okay? Like, like, slow your roll. How about Ecuador to start, okay? Oh, yeah, that's good. All right, let's do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so think about it. Th- think about the giftings that God has given you. Okay, the ways that he has shaped you. And think about how the rest of the body of Christ not just balances that, but complements that. Haven't you noticed that? Not everyone looks like you or is gifted like you or talk like all of those things. God has arranged it. Listen, if we were a single member, it would be a very, very disparaging sight. Because they would all just look like you. That's why the question, are you okay with it? is incredibly pertinent. Because if you're not okay with it in your heart, then what you're saying is, no, 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 actually, I wish everyone was gifted like me. So I want to, I've tried today. I get very uh, frustrated at times when um, I feel like the Lord has, has given me a very specific word and I share that, and, um, and I'm expecting, like, in my mind, this response that um, all of a sudden, just by sharing it, just by, like, like sharing that specific thing about who God is, that everyone's just going to, like, stand up and, like, start bouncing off the walls and dancing. I'm being honest. Like, I have this picture in my mind that, like, at some point... Like, the truth is just going to do that in us. Like, no one's going to be inhibited. Like, everyone's just, at some point, the Spirit's just going to move, and, like, the walls are going to be torn down, and, like, people are just going to be going crazy because they can't be contained. I believe there's a piece of that that is birthed out of my insecurity. Because there's a piece of that that wants everyone to express their love of God like I do. And there's a piece of that that thinks that everyone should express God like I do. You guys see what I'm saying? But, but that's not how some of you, not just are gifted, but that's how you express. Or, or, or that wouldn't be genuine for you. That, that would be contrived or forced. Well, I don't want that either. You, you see what I'm saying? And so I have to continually repent of that, that thought that, hold on a second, Mark, like, Not everyone is like you, and that is a beautiful thing. God, help me believe it and not just say it. You guys guys understand? Am I really okay with that? 
Am I really okay that there are people of different persuasions from different countries uh, that are experiencing God at unreal levels? Am I really okay with that? Or do I desire to hoard the power of God just for me? I'd never preach like that. I would never evangelize like that or say that. But is that, is that somewhere in here? It's tough stuff, isn't it? Listen, I've never wrestled with the body of Christ like I have in the last several weeks. And God is doing a good work in my heart of repentance. But just hang on. We're not quite there yet. Verse 20. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Rhetorical questions, truth. Rhetorical question, truth. And I think at the end of all of this, each of us come to this place and some of you specifically in this local expression, you're wondering this, okay? You've said it, you've communicated it, you've, you'll visit somewhere, right? And, And you'll use language that even communicates something like that. Yeah, I just, I just don't feel like I belong here. I don't, I don't know what it is, I just... I just don't feel like I belong. And, and, and in so doing, you start out of your insecurity comparing yourself. Well, I'm just not like, I, I don't know. There's like all of this difference and, and all these things that we're just. I want to propose to you that the question I believe isn't where do I belong. I believe this question, where do I belong, has driven the church. But what if tonight, all of a sudden, everything changed into this? Who do you belong to? What if, what if the question was never focused on our gifts at all? What if our gifts really, not just in doctrine... But in reality, what if our gifts always took a back seat to the gift giver? What if that happened? Then the questions would never be, where do I belong somehow? Or how uh, can my gifts be used? It would be, who do I belong to? Now, hang with, listen, can I show you one of the coolest passages in the scripture? Can I show you? Is that cool? Choice or not, you don't have it. Here we go, Romans 7. Seriously, look at this. Please see this. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may, what's the word? Belong to another. Now, here's the premise. There was a belonging under the old covenant to the law. What happens when Jesus comes is he fulfills the law and the prophets perfectly, which means now that anyone in Christ belongs to to him and not to the law. Okay? Look at this. So that you may belong to another, to him specifically, who what? Has been what? Come on. Raised from the dead. You see, the implications of the resurrection are all throughout the scripture, everywhere. We belong to someone that's been raised, a God king, the son of man who's been raised from the dead, in order, look at this, that we may what? Bear fruit. So let's say it this way. Next slide. Here's the truth we have to hang on. You do not belong because of your gifts. You belong because of Christ. 
if the church just embraced this, oh my goodness, the freedom of walking into a place and not feeling like you had to plaster your resume on the church bulletin board so that somebody would love you. This is all that I've done in my last church. Listen, these things define who I am. Your giftings do not define you. You want to know how difficult of a journey that's been for me? I've confessed it before. I've, I've shared my struggles before. It is so difficult for me to separate who I am in Christ and who I am as a pastor or a shepherd or a speaker. But God is doing a good work in me throughout the years. I would say when we planted, that was my identity. I was Mark the church planter, the crazy church planter. And more and more and more, he's chipping away at that. He's sanctifying my heart. And I find myself tonight more a follower of Christ, a son of his, than I am a pastor or shepherd. And that's a beautiful thing. I do not belong in this local expression, I hope, because of my giftings. You guys know what I'm saying? And if I do, I don't know that I want to. Because then relationships here aren't based on Christ. They're based on, I have something to give you. And I'm just being real. I don't know that I want that. If the only reason why we love one another is because of how God uses our giftings to bless one another, God, purge that from us right now. But there's been times or experiences in your past maybe where your gifts were abused or, or where you thought you were, just, you were broken over the coals in the name of church progress. People didn't even know your name, but they knew you could do this or that. And so they just grabbed a hold of that and took you and run you through the ringer, didn't care a lick about your heart. May that not be us. And I hope it's not your thoughts of me, any other pastor or leader here. I hope we belong together because we belong to Christ. And so some of you already are like, but Mark, I don't believe in Christ, so where do I belong? You have to understand something. What you're going to experience in this place is a deep sense of love if you're a non-believer here. I pray you feel so loved with a reckless abandonment. You feel so pursued. But I do want to make sure you understand something. There will be a belonging that will forever be reserved for the people that center their lives around the person of Christ. It doesn't mean that we won't have relationship or friendship or that you won't experience tremendous amounts of love. No, you, you will. You'll be cared for. Heard. People will sit down and listen to your story, all of that. But there is a belonging that comes, a unity that comes around the person of Christ. So, are you ready to see the rest of Romans 7? No, you're not. Check this out. This is awesome. Look at this. Look at this. For a while, we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions, this is crazy talk, aroused by the law, were at work in our members. Come on, to bear fruit for death. This is an insecure, nothing kind of identity fueled by pride, 
self-centeredness, and ultimately is bearing fruit for death. But, but, don't you love in the Bible when you see the word but? Come on. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. In other words, it did, it did hold us captive, and it don't no more. For those who are grammatically correct, look at this. Having died to that which held us captive, so that we what? Come on. Serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Do you see? We are freed through our belonging in Christ not to serve an old written law, but to be guided by the Spirit of God using gifts. Let's say it this way. Finally, please see this next slide. You do not belong because of your gifts. You belong because of Christ who frees you to use the gifts He gives for His glory. That, that is when insecurity is killed in the body of Christ. Now, what does that look like practically? I get a smile because I just like, I look out at all of you and I can picture change already. Here's what it looks like practically. That same brother or sister of yours that you have in your heart built up a grudge because they have something that you don't. Listen, all of a sudden in repentance, you find yourself celebrating what God's doing in that person like you never ever have. You've literally spent five years hating them in, in your heart because they were getting more notoriety, they had more relationships, their giftings were more public, it even got them, whatever, whatever the case may be. And you built up grudge, 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 it created insecurity, it sent you to, it caused you to stay in the cabin. But when God all of a sudden purges that, when we lay those insecurities down, when all of a sudden we're freed from what held us captive before, do you know what happens? We spend our entire lives celebrating the work of God. All we see everywhere is another opportunity to celebrate God's work. I don't have to then be gripped by insecurity. I and you get the privilege and the joy of walking around and worshiping all the time. That's why scripture says, be joyful always, I believe, because it's possible. Because we're around the body of Christ. Seeing a visual expression of how God is working and moving and morphing and changing lives. And so I look out at all of you even now. And instead of seeing my competition, instead of wondering where I belong in all this, I, I get to look out at brothers and sisters, knowing that right now in where Jared is, Pastor Jared tonight in the Philippines, that there are, there's a body of Christ there. And they're asking the same question that we are. Not where do I belong in the Philippines and where do I belong in St. Charles, but instead... I belong to Christ. I think tonight, uh, you, me, we have a lot to wrestle with. But the amazing thing is, as much of your days that have been riddled with insecurity, the amazing thing of the hope of the gospel is tonight we can completely not just be forgiven and freed, but walk in light of the fruit of the Spirit in us. And so tonight, 
We're going to be served by some very special brothers and sisters here in our church body and community. I just want to invite those folks to come up now. These folks uh, represent um, very much the the heart of desiring to chase after Christ, not in perfection by any means, but in what God's doing in their life. If you guys go ahead and want to grab this. Uh, Men, you're going to have a chance tonight to be served by other brothers up here. We're going to hold the, the bread before you. And men, you're going to get a chance. Having examined yourself to walk up here and to take a piece of the bread. And to stand in freedom. As a brother who's been changed by the power of the gospel. Who isn't cared for or loved because of what he has to offer. But because of what Christ did. His life. So brothers, come. And take this bread and then you're going to have a chance to dip it in the cup in the cup that represents the power of the spilt blood of Christ whose spilt blood tonight means our forgiveness of all of the insecurity of all the life that has been gripped and held sisters a bunch of women up here who are longing to serve you tonight, to serve with you. Listen, this meal tonight is a reminder, my friends, of what we have in Christ. We are secure. Not in what we have yet to attain, but in what Christ has already accomplished. That's the beauty of belonging in the body of Christ. Come and respond as God leads you.